I had one guy say that he's going to stab me and then he's going to stab my dad. Is that then worth it to the person behind the counter getting paid minimum wage who sometimes is doing up to 50 hours, 60 hours a week? Hello and welcome to the Invisible Addiction podcast. If you're a new listener, hi, thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to this episode. And of course, if you're a long-time listener of the podcast, I hope you've been keeping well. Shortly, we'll be hearing from a former bookie who shares his stories and experiences from behind the counter. We'll also hear his opinions on how to make gambling safer. Is that possible? And hear how he got involved with The Big Step, a campaign which is tackling football's relationship with gambling. Before we go any further, I would like to make a short disclaimer and say that this is an informational podcast. If you're experiencing gambling problems, of course, I hope you relate to the stories you hear. That's what this is all about. But please do seek professional help. Links to that support can be found on the Invisible Addiction website, www.theinvisibleaddiction.com forward slash support. Right, without further ado, let's crack on with the podcast. Okay, so joining us on the other end of the line today is Mike from Sheffield. He's come onto the podcast to share his experiences and stories from his time working as a bookmaker. This is a slightly different podcast to usual since Mike has not experienced gambling problems per se, but really we, we're going to be hearing his unique viewpoint from, uh, from working behind the counter. So I'm hugely excited to speak with him and hear his views. I'm absolutely delighted to welcome him onto the Invisible Addiction podcast. Mike, thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, not too bad, not too bad. It's, uh, it's a bigger intro than I would have expected in terms of that one. Anyone that's excited <laughs> at the moment, get yourself a nice drink, get yourself something to relax, or maybe that you spend the next hour thinking, why has he brought this geezer in? But I'll try and entertain as much as I can do. <laughs> oh, no, that sounds uh, brilliant, yeah. Yeah, not too bad though. Lockdown is what lockdown does. Uh, work at the hospital at the moment, so that's been pretty standard. Uh, but yeah, it's reaping all the benefits of everyone saying, aren't the NHS fantastic without really doing that much? I'm just the guy who tells people to staple different bits of paper. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask, I mean, I usually kick off the podcast with like, tell us about your background and experience. So yeah, I mean, could you, I don't know, maybe spend a minute or two just talking about what you're doing right now with the NHS? Absolutely. So I'm currently uh, an outpatient coordinator, which is <clears throat> basically a glorified GP for neurosciences here at the Hallamshire Hospital. Uh, prior to this, uh, I was, uh, well, I went off to university in 20, 2012, 2013, because it's the season West Brom had Lukaku and we were massive that year. We were fantastic. Uh, I actually only went to Southampton on the basis that Southampton just got promoted that year and I wanted to see us smoke somebody away and Southampton was a uni that was on my list and we beat them 3-0 so that was all good. Uh, and then during my time at university down there I worked in a slot machine arcade. I'll go on to that in a bit obviously. Uh, returned back up to Sheffield. I dropped out after... I, I only completed one year then I dropped out of uni halfway through my second year. Returned back up to Sheffield, worked uh, in a bookmaker's for two years, it, almost going on three years, and then uh, I've been in this job since 2016. Fantastic, fantastic. I mean, just for, just for the listeners' benefit, uh, Mike and I, we met on the Big Step event um, in September, and uh, yeah, I mean, we, we had this great conversation, and I was, I was thinking throughout the whole time... Um, I was like, why am I not pressing record on the phone? Because we just had such a great <laughs> chat. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, also just to clarify, you're a, you're a Sheffield Wednesday fan. Um, no, West Brom. 
I've got all my fa- uh, I've all got my that horribly wrong. Sorry, that's horrendous. No, no, I'll leave now. Terrible research. You had your yeah, you had your chance for this interview to go well. <laughs> You've stacked it. <laughs> that's it. You, you, you're like the geezer who confused uh, Samuel L. Jackson with Lawrence Fishburne. I, I've done. <laughs> Oh, uh, no, no, uh, I'll give you that one. All the family Sheffield Wednesday fans, I've gone and seen them enough. I've gone and seen my team, West Brom, smoke them a couple of times at Hillsborough as well. So uh, West Brom myself, but I wouldn't say that too loudly, especially not at the moment with the criminal of Sam Allardyce in charge that we've got. Then again, it's not a great time to be a Bournemouth fan either, is it? I was going to say, we're rumoured to have Thierry Henry. I'm like, Thierry Henry, really? Do we really want him? <laughs> like, Really? Oh, dearie me. Oh, oh, God. Not with VAR, anyway. It'll stop those dodgy handballs of his going in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Oh, Mike. Well, let's, let's dive into it then. So, so tell us, how, how did you end up working at a book, bookmaker's? Well, it's, it, I think probably for a lot of people as well, it's when you've... I've come out of university. I don't have a degree for it. I've not really got much work experience. As I say, the last work experience I'd had was working in a slot machine arcade as well down in Southampton. And that's a bit, uh, I mean, bookmakers seem a bit more with it. it. Slot machine arcades are very sort of dystopian. It's a very weird thing to be involved in. Uh, it's just people handing over a certain amount of money to get a bucket full of one pound coins to then just sit and repeatedly just put, the same into the machine and just watch it, you're watching your spins go as nothing happens uh but it it's almost like i wouldn't want to say monkeys at typewriters but it, it it's almost like people at a switchboard like an old school switchboard is just sitting completely focused straight down the middle and just the same repetitive action over and over again and that's i think that's how they tend to capture people and obviously spoke about uh fixed odds betting terminals that trust me we will get onto <laughs> as it goes later on they are uh, anyone that works in a bookmaker knows that their uh their biggest problem behind the counter they're the ones that you worry about most but those sort of uh, styles of games are the ones that they make their money off that. They, they're designed for people to completely switch off from everything they're doing, disassociate from how much time, how much money you've spent, and just go back into that repetitive action of just putting a single coin back into a machine again or just pressing the same button over and over again. So I return from uni. I've got no qualifications. I've got no real work experience. And at that point, you're looking for a low-grade job that's not going to ask for much experience that's going to take you on. So I applied across a few different places. I had a couple of trial shifts in random other spots and then uh, was successful in getting into bookies at Betfred. So then that's pretty much how it happened. I think there's not, it's certainly not one of those jobs that anyone's going out and looking for. Nobody's saying I can't wait to go and work in a bookmaker's, but it needs must and you need a job for it. I suppose that's where it can go into difficulty a little bit for people is that you're then asking, it's similar to, I, I try to compare it to lockdown, especially in the initial stages when pubs and restaurants were open, is that you're asking people who are paid a minimal wage, who are likely not specially trained in the area that they're working on, to police people 
uh, and to try and go above and beyond to look after others. So when I saw pubs and bars are open and there's people either not wearing masks or people not socially distancing, is the person behind the counter paid enough to put themselves at risk? There's no mm. chance. And in bookmakers, while there is... Uh, there's a lot of focus on making sure people aren't problem gambling. It, it's very nice to say that. And I think that's how it's a lot of smoke and mirrors with bookmakers as far as I'm concerned that there's a lot of nice stuff from their end and they will always pitch it as, oh yeah, but we're, uh, we're making sure people stay in control and we're giving them the choice and we are looking after them. It's not, the offers are there, but they're never front and centre for people and you're not directly challenging people. And I know there'll probably be some people listening that uh, have worked in bars or in pubs. How often have you challenged someone to say, excuse me, I don't think you should drink anymore? That that's fighting words. And I knew working in a bookies, the the phrase, I don't think you should gamble anymore, I'm going to stop you now. You have to, you have to physically prep yourself for that mm. because there's a large chance either that person's going to smash your shop up, they're going to try to fight you, they're at least going to verbal you. And you can understand why, but is that then worth it to a person behind the counter getting paid minimum wage who sometimes is doing up to 50 hours, 60 hours a week? Mm. Mm. Absolutely. Did did you um, yeah? Did you did you experience that uh, many times where you've had to oh, had to kind of stop someone? There, there's been a couple of times, and it's it, it's very difficult because I think at least what I get across from it is there's still a sort of old school atmosphere within bookmakers that it it's quite unique i don't think i've found anywhere else like it where it's delivered as this friendly vibe towards people but uh the the underlying current is that it's almost a challenge between yourself and people who are gambling and that it's like a it's like a nice rivalry of oh i'm gonna get one over on you this time and then the other one is oh they've beaten me today but tomorrow i'm gonna go back and i'm gonna win stuff on them uh so that's when people come in uh, and it looks like they're spending too much, it can be very, very difficult to address that problem. Not least in the fact that the way that you're trained to try and spot problem gambling or the, the booklets you read uh, to try and spot people who are problem gambling is are they gambling more than they have done before? Have they got any obvious signs of stress or anything? And it's difficult unless someone's in every single day and you're watching them like a hawk to see what they're betting. And if you then are doing that, they're not comfortable. So they're not going to stay in your shop and you're the guy that's chased somebody away from being in your bookies. And as bookies are very similar to supermarkets, one rocks up somewhere and four more are going to rock up as soon as one opens just to try and get that business away from the other one. So it's a, and anything working in retail or private businesses, you've always got the option of the customer saying, well, I don't like it here, so I'll go elsewhere. Uh, and it doesn't bother you behind the counter, you're earning a wage. But uh, you also don't want to be, uh, if that was fed back to your manager, oh, no one wants to come into the shop because so-and-so is not very good. Or uh, And a lot of uh, the punters, God, I've not used punters in a while. Uh, a lot of punters will always speak to each other uh, in terms of stuff. A, a lot of people will spend... Uh, large portions of their day 
in and out of bookmakers, going into certain ones at certain times to get their hourly bonus in there, or they need to go in to get their daily spins on something. And so-and-so does really nice uh, coffee and tea in there, but the other one's tea and coffee's garbage. And I better go back in because the virtual races or the bingo starts in this one, and then it's on at a different time. So for some people, it's almost like a full working day uh, is going in between bookmakers everywhere. So you don't want to be that... Uh, breaking that chain that then sort of says well they're not returning here anymore because the uh, the shop that i was working in is was in uh, quite a bad area sheffield uh, mm. <clears throat> and a lot of the people that were in there didn't have a particularly great amount of money there was a lot of uh, drinking smoking of drugs outside uh, so it's quite a deprived area and i know that uh, the shop that i was working in was recording a loss every month but was only kept open because it was recording less of a loss than the coral the william hill and the ladbrokes nearby and if they were to short then the coral the hill and the ladbrokes would have taken that business so it's so insidious in in terms of you can't imagine anywhere else having a shop or a, a branch open that is losing money regularly and it, it's not like it wins some months and it doesn't other ones it is always losing money but it's it's somehow financially viable to keep that open just to prevent the competition getting any of that potential business there it's crazy uh, but anyway i i warned you about this beforehand you need to keep me on topic so if anyone's thinking no. this guy's just rambled it's, it's all alex's fault no. He's just me on topic. no 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 i, I mean I've, I've agreed with again for the listeners benefit i agree with mike the less i talk the better i've been yeah heavily criticized for for my interview technique and um i've i've, I've since spoken to um to a chap that used to work in in the media who said the less i make it about me the better so um yeah no 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 honestly tangents are fine i'm just quite happy to just meander through topics but i mean what one question that did come to my mind on that note when you said they've that they, they were losing money is that because people were winning a lot of money in the bookies or was that because actually they weren't spending enough it, because it was a deprived area it just didn't make that much money yeah it was just a very low intake uh shop like i mean for most bookmakers now or at least the last time that i was in the only real money made is out of fixed odds betting terminals or fob tees and the remainder of it the actual over-the-counter betting is it's minimal there's not much of that going on anymore i think there's so many online places now that are doing football that's uh football and sports bets particularly that's at your fingertips uh Horses and greyhounds, I think is there's still a lot of people and there was a body of uh, customers that would come in every day to the point that if, and these were sort of 50 to 70 year olds, uh, there's a group of them, really nice blokes, uh, about 10 or 12 of them, and you knew when you opened at half past eight, one of them would come in and you knew who it would be and you knew when to expect them. It was almost like they were clocking in for shift. Mm -hmm. uh, and you knew exactly when they'd be then, who'd be in at what time, to the point that if one person wasn't in one day, it was a genuine uh, conversation between everyone to say, where's so-and-so, is he okay? Mm -hmm. And if you don't see someone for two days, you've got a search party out for a man, because you said he has to be here, there's no way he's not here. And this is it's seven days a week, all spending 50, 60 quid each, uh, or around about that much, uh, I would have estimated anyway. But for that money to come in for people, the rest of the bets are at least they were in there, 20p on bingo. 
uh, 50p on bingo for stuff. People putting the lottery on, but then it was small bets, small wins. The main takings were on the fixed odds betting terminals, but in terms of for the space that they were using to house that shop, there was just simply not enough money coming in. I'm going to be, um, I'm going to be sort of, <laughs> I'm just harking back to my days as, uh, you know, going to the bookies. I can relate to so much of this because you'd have the kind of the old boys with the, you know, with the racing post in there every day. Um, and I always remember going in there and it, it would tend to be the, the younger lads on the fixed dog betting terminals. I mean, when I say younger, the guys that are not in their 60s or 70s or maybe 80s. And, and, and what you'd hear from some of the guys that were obviously the, the older guys, they'd be like, don't touch the machines. Oh, never touch those machines. So, um, so yeah, can you, can you tell us a bit more about the fixed odd betting terminals? Because like you say, um, that the, the, the kind of reduced odds, uh, reduced spin came in, didn't it, um, what, the last couple of years? So during your time, you must have really seen, that was it the height, wasn't it, of um, the, the, the big spins that you could make? Yeah, it was crazy. So, I mean, it, that was, there was always promotions going on for them to try and get people in to play on them. The uh, people who were returning customers, like I was there for when uh, they'd introduced membership cards, but they weren't mandatory. But I think that to to my memory, and again, people got to remember I'm speaking 2016, so I I may be, I've not set foot in a bookies apart from when I've gone to an away day now and then uh, for five years. So I may be on properly old hat information here. Uh, But at that point in time, which must have been around 2015, 2015, 2016-ish was when uh, they'd started a membership campaign for the machines to try and get people to get just a chip and pin card for them that you'd pop in and that would allow you to see how much you spent over the month and set your limits and all that business. They weren't required to play them, but if you did get one of those, then you got your daily promotions for them and you were able to do uh, £5 free at the start of the day. So uh, your older punters, your regular ones, would have played the machines for five minutes in the morning. I got five pound free. I might stick a tenner in it afterwards. But you've got six or seven of them all together. One card in, right? He's lost. Next person, one card in. He's lost. Next person, one card in. And between six or seven of them, they've got thirty, thirty-five quid's worth of free spins. They win. They split it amongst them all. They all have a bet on this summer. And that is, although myself. I worry about people gambling and I uh, I worry about uh, people being functioning addicts. I think that can be very difficult and can be a really slippery slope at the start is when you're still an addict, but you're functional with it. Uh, So I know myself, I'd probably say over like the last, maybe over the last 10 years, I've probably dabbled in being a functional addict with either alcohol and or drugs at different times. Uh, thankfully nothing at the moment uh, but that can be a real worry for people that I think it's awful if you get to that stage where that has overtaken you but the complete facade that I can continue the way that I'm going because as a person I'm still able to go to work I'm still able to get up in the morning uh, I've not got suicidal thoughts I've not got anything else is uh, that can be part of the worry so I always worried about those blokes because they must be sat at pension age, they're watching that rock in, and seven days a week, they're maybe spending 30 to 50 quid each. So potentially 350 quid a week, then over the month, then over the year, and that happening for years and years, 
maybe once in a blue moon you win a grand, a couple of grand. And if, if that if that keeps you happy, that's okay. And you can afford to do it. That's all right. Uh, but I worry that people can slip into that and there's not really a catchment for the people who are at functioning addict stage who then progress into they are no longer and it's not good to be a functioning addict Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. but it's nowhere near as bad as being a non-functioning addict when you've got to that point you're in serious trouble and there have been ages it doesn't matter what the time span is there's been ages where somebody should have caught that and I think people should be more mindful of when you're in that functioning addiction stage to think actually I need to try and bring myself down from this a little bit because it's, it, it's not good for anyone to rely on something to keep them going uh, or for that just to be a normal part of the day that I'm going to go and uh, put £50 on something every single day. If you can afford to spend that money, okay, but just make sure that that's not becoming a routine part of life because things like that can really quickly go. It would be the same as uh, somebody saying, oh, well, uh, I go to the pub every single day after I finish work and I have uh, three, four pints. So you think that's nice. And if that works for you, that's okay. But do be mindful that that's not potentially the greatest thing that you could be doing. Mm. Uh, but yeah, again, keep me on point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, uh, no. So yeah, the, uh, the younger, uh, the, I mean, the older group would play the machines on the basis that they got promotions from it and it was free money for them. And they'd go on and they'd have a little bit of a laugh, but they weren't sat on them all the time. And I think you do tend to have quite a divide with people, at least from my experience, that you've got people who come into a bookmakers who are machine players, and you've got people who are everything else. And occasionally they'll dabble in the machines as well, but there are a lot of people who are just in there to play fixed odds betting terminals, and that's it. They might put bingo on once, but they put bingo on and they ain't even looked at it because they're playing on the machine and it's captured you the entire time. Mm. Mm. I would, um, I think I was saying this uh, in, in a podcast, I think with Colin, um, where I would kid myself, I would go into the bookies. I would be, by the way, the machine player. I would go into the bookies and like almost try and clock eye contact with the bookie behind the counter um, and basically go over to the football accumulator bets, pick up a slip, pick up a pen, feign the fact that, oh, oh yeah, I'm in here to do a football accumulator. I wasn't at all. I wasn't at all. It was this kind of, this sort of subliminal kind of thing. And I was like, right, I'll just get onto the machine. Oh, oh, a machine's free. Oh, I'll just go and play a machine. Um, yeah, I was, I was completely hooked. But, I mean, tell us, I mean, have you got any stories about the machines? Did you, as I say, did you have any kind of nasty experiences where things really did get, get out of hand? Um, they, kind of they're not a nice thing I mean they're designed to do what they do they they are the perfect perfect example uh, of addiction by design mm. it, it is whoever's created them is an absolute genius it doesn't matter whether they're a good person or a bad person they are a genius whoever's created them in the way that they work because they do exactly what they're designed to do uh, and there's there's no effort within them to really prevent your spending there's certain things that's brought in by the government to say, right, we need to make sure people are doing this. And the bookmakers, and I remember hearing from uh, other bookmakers in the area and sometimes from our own that when uh, when different things were brought in by the government, different uh, regulations and everything, that at least the bookmakers in our area would do the bare minimum 
to hit those regulations without doing anything further. So you needed to make sure that you were operating under the law, but apart from that, you ain't gonna go any further. So if they brought something in to say, right, this is going to protect people, they would say, what's the bare minimum we can get away with here to say that we're operating legally, but supporting everyone, nah, I'm not going out of my way for it, because that's obviously gonna hurt their profits then at the end of the day. So the, the, I could go on for years about machines. Part of, the, part of the problem is that you've got, I think people who play them regularly uh, and have always played them have, have got the knowledge that, and I'd assume you're one of them yourself, that uh, although there's always that time in the back of your head where you think somebody behind the counter may have some control over this, the people who are playing them regularly tend to know there is no control from behind the back of the counter. So from my view, what I can see is that uh, if you're playing roulette, which loads of people do, at the point that you spin and the ball's going around, I can see whether you've won or not. I can see how much you've got left. Uh, but I can't make any control on that machine other than to switch it off if I want to. Uh, and apart from that, there's nothing else I can do. So uh, that's to quash immediately anyone that sits and says, well, they must have, uh, everyone would come in joking like, oh, you get your foot off the pedal, uh, get your hand off that button with them. And that was, that was oh the regular was, oh, he's got his foot on pedal behind there. He's definitely playing me here. Uh, but that, that was always, that starts you off on a bad foot immediately because people are then, uh, I say it was, it was funny when you mentioned that people would uh, that you would go in and you'd make eye contact with a bookmaker uh, because people would do that with me and I knew people that would regularly uh, become aggressive that were playing machines that would look at you as the first thing and you would get a look from some of the people that was the same sort of look that you'd be fighting if you were in a pub or you were out on a night out if someone gave you that look but there were some people who came in and that was uh, you know this was like a, it, it was an aggressive challenge at the point that they walked in was to say, if you don't let me win, we're going to have trouble here. Or they would scope out who's behind the counter and look and sort of say, don't like that geezer, I'm not having it. But then the people that are playing, it becomes very difficult because our machines are at the opposite end of the shot to where we are, uh, close to where the door is. Obviously, we can see what's happening behind the counter in terms of whether people are winning, whether people are losing with them. But you can't, and I imagine it would have been the same for you when you were playing machines, somebody coming to either watch you to try and talk to you uh, or to do anything else. You are in that zone. This is your place and you despise that machine. It, it, it's a pure hatred, but you're still there anyway. And you're saying, right, this is going to be my day that I beat this one. So anyone then trying to take you out of that is public enemy number one. So do not get involved with that. Don't approach the people. Don't do anything. So my, it, as I always was in our shop, I was, the work itself wasn't too intense. So you got plenty of time to walk around, have a chat with people, make sure the shop's looking tidy, all that business. Uh, but people on machines wouldn't go and bother them because there were some people who would say that if you've then gone to watch them and they have a bad spin, would turn around and say, could you move from behind me? That's lost because you're here. Uh, or you're doing something to make me lose on this. Yeah. Or uh, you would watch people, if you stood there and people are putting money in, they would stare at you as they're putting money in. And there is, you can feel, you can feel people's emotion and the words that they're wanting to say without saying it, that you are the face of blame there. It's, you're, you're allowing this person to do this. Uh, and even if you go to try and help someone, it's still your fault. 
mm-hmm. at the end of it because you're you're enabling someone to go and do that but then you take it to the other end of the spectrum there's uh, the times that i've told people i'd like to put that money in and that's it no more of it the first response you always get back is so you'll let me lose but you won't let me win it back mm-hmm. yeah yeah and you say, well, that's, it, it's not how it works. If you come in here and you've put 300 quid in and you ain't won yet, you probably ain't going to win now. Mm. Uh, and th- these don't work like old school slot machines do. O- old school slot machines and your fruit is in a pub and everything like that are, they've got a hopper. Once that hopper's getting filled, the machine goes, I need to empty this hopper uh, and it'll pay out. A, almost like a uh, one of those grabber machines at an arcade. After mm. so many plays, it will let you win. Mm. Whereas these don't work that way. They, it, and they plaster it everywhere that they've got this, uh, I can't remember whether it was 88 or 92% payout rate uh, mm. for them. So anyone looking at that would say, okay, so if, uh, if I spin 10 times, I'm going to win nine of them. But the push for those machines is to get you to play roulette. And anyone that's played roulette or knows about it is that you don't bet red or black. That, that's a bums game. Mm-hmm. You don't bet red or black because it's only 50-50. <laughs> if you put a pound on, you're only going to get one pound back. Uh, but you cover your board. So you put 16, 20 quids worth of bets on or however much. Could be hundreds, could be anything. And you cover it all over the place. Now, if you put 100 pound on and you win 92 pound back, you've lost and you don't care that you've won 92 pound because you didn't get your grand that you wanted. Mm. But the machine's done its work because it's paid you 92% out. So you can go in there and routinely lose everything, but that sticks to its payout rate for it uh, and says, look, I've done my job. The guy got paid out. What do you want me to do? Yeah. Uh, and they, they also don't take into account, at least to my knowledge, how long somebody's been sat there, how much money that person's put in. Uh, there's no, I say, and I think gambling's come so far since what it used to be that uh, like football bets before would have been the pools mm. and, and that's it. And then you'd have started and it would have been, right, okay, you can put accumulators on and stuff, but you're talking about win, lose or draw, that's it. Whereas now, you go on each game, you've got four or five hundred markets for them, which, which is crazy. And this is all, it's all designed in terms of gambling at the moment to distract you so much away from what could be a pastime or a hobby that you've got, but that you're able to come away from into something where you're flooded with so much in, uh, information, stimulus, so many different options that you just completely lose any track of where you are or what's happening. So then when people get to a point that they have lost, I've seen multiple machines uh, grabbed from the very top of them, rammed down straight to the floor. Uh, People tell me, I had one guy say that he's going to stab me and then he's going to stab my dad. Uh, I don't know how he would have found out where my dad lives, uh, but I did say to him that I'd meet him outside at nine o'clock when I finished and he was never there. And then people spitting on machines, uh, people punching them repeatedly. Uh, And the problem is I can understand it. But Mm. there there is a line to the point that it's unacceptable. You can't do that. But I can also understand the aggression that people have and the hatred people have. I've had people cry. I've had people go around the shop, pick up pots of pens and launch them around everywhere, take all of the slips out of the accumulators, shower them into the shop. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's yeah. not 
a great place to be because it comes at that point. I think when you're sat behind the counter, there's not much to do. One of the things to look at is, oh, so-and-so's on a machine and I can sort of, not for any insidious reason, not for anything mean or anything, just to think, oh, I wonder how they're getting on. So you can just sit and watch. It, it's not watching what uh, the person using the machine is seeing, but it's just a counter that says, this is how much money this machine's got today. This is what the current amount of funds in it is. Mm. So you can sit there, you're looking at stuff that's on, uh, you're watching a TV and you can just look down and go, oh, 20 quid went, not bad. Oh, this thing. But when you've got somebody in that you know is showing signs of aggression for them, you've spoken to them, you've already normally had a quick, uh, oh, sorry, please don't hit that machine. Mm. Uh, no mm. response back ever. No response back. Just eyes straight down anyway. Uh, but you know when you see somebody's had two, 300 quid in and you're saying to yourself, print that ticket, you've won. Mm. bring that ticket bring it over and it doesn't and then you see that that final spin where that 300 hits to nothing is very similar to that point again when you're telling someone you need to stop gambling you have to prepare yourself for that because mm. you ain't got a clue what's going next and there's as much chance that that person's going to come up to the counter and try and punch you as anything mm. else or they're going to try and smash your machine so there are, while while that ball is still going round uh you've got two people behind the counter deciding who's going to go out and potentially have to stop you from smashing things. So, so, so Mike, I mean, just on that note, like you, you touched on earlier, like the training booklets and stuff like that. So, so what is the procedure? What's the whole training process about the safer gambling or the problem gambler? Um, the, at least, at least from when I was there, there's not much of it to be fair. It is again, I think it plays into that theme of doing as little as possible while still making it, legal mm, mm. Uh, is your you've got to think you're not a body language expert if i was a body language expert i wouldn't be doing a job that's minimum wage that's mm -hmm. asking me to do 50 mm. 60 hours a week uh, and with the greatest respect to people that there, i've met some really really nice people who work in bookmakers and everything i met some really nice people who go to them but if anyone's looking at trying to progress in terms of working that is very much a stepping stone there so you'll have people that will stop there for a couple of years and then go elsewhere. People that have probably been there for quite a long period of time or anything are either people, it's just my opinion, so nobody hate me, uh, are either people that enjoy that sort of line of work and they like the flexibility of it uh, and being in there, or are people that haven't got much chance of getting considerably better jobs elsewhere, uh, or aren't that keen to, uh, haven't really got the get up and go or it, they struggle to sort of take themselves out of one place and move to somewhere else and i know a lot of those people who stay in jobs because they just don't like applying for stuff they find it really really stressful mm -hmm. uh, so i mean you go in there and you read through your training booklets of different stuff uh, and i mean the problem gambling stuff to my uh, to my end would be that you uh, you're always looking to see if people are betting larger amounts than they would have done normally if uh, people are starting to, uh, if they're betting more in a day than they would do normally. So somebody that you know well, that always comes in and there were some people who you knew exactly what bets they put on. I could have put their bets on for them mm -hmm. before they came in and <laughs> passed them the ticket as they come over. Uh, but you could have some people that would religiously do the same thing every day. So instead he comes up and he bets twice as much on them one day. That should be a flag for you to say, everything okay? Mm. It's larger than it is normally uh, or that somebody comes in and they always spend 50 quid 
uh, over the course of the day, but instead today they spent 100 quid. Again, another, all right. Uh, now, part of what <laughs> the worst thing is that part of the way to try and stop people who are potentially problem gamblers or to give them a break away from stuff is to uh, go and speak to them, ask them if they're okay. Uh, ask them if they know how much they've spent or how much they're going on for. Try and get them to take a break from whatever they're gambling on at the moment. Offer them a tea or coffee if you can. Uh, have a bit of a chat with them. Now, at that stage, all of those are still designed to keep them in your shop. Yeah, of course, yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> not say. designed to get them yeah. to go elsewhere. Yeah. It, it's, not, it's not designed to say, I think you should take a break today. Could you leave? It's designed to say, come up here, get a tea and coffee. We'll have a sit and a chat. And then 10 minutes later, they've calmed down straight back again. Uh, now, of course, yeah. that's not what is in the training, but anyone that looks at it from where it is, there's there's not a design there in place to say what you should be doing is getting this person to remove themselves from the shop. Mm. Instead, what you're saying is what you should do is get them to relax while they're here. Mm. And that's completely different. Now, of course, then beyond that level, you should be looking at saying to people uh, about uh, self-exclusions, mm. uh, about setting limits for themselves. And if you can help in terms of... So we... We were, I like to think the shop that I was in, we were good people in terms of trying to look after uh, people as much as we could do. There were other shops where, I'll be quite honest with you, I don't think, uh, I, I think a lot of people know what wage they're on, know what their job is and don't want that sort of high stress to everything. So there's a lot of people who will just put their head in the sands and just sort of say, look, this person made their choice, they're gambling that amount, so mm. it's not for me to challenge them. And is it really worth it if they then start on me? Mm. It is this job that I'm getting paid worth me potentially uh, coming to serious harm? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, like, you discuss self-exclusion with some people, and I know people who uh, did self-exclude eventually uh, from shops, but that was then very difficult as well because the way that self-exclusion worked uh, in ours was that you would uh, decide for a period of self-exclusion. Initially, it was six months, 12 months or longer then it comes to a mandatory 12 months uh, at the minimum. You'd mm. provide a passport photo uh, and you would then also pick three other of that chain shops that you could self-exclude from as well. Right. Uh, but that in itself then becomes difficult because a lot of people go to the same bookmakers and the same shop all the time. They don't go to other ones. So if you then say to me, right, I want to be banned from Betfred and you come into ours and then say, oh, also, by the way, uh, could you exclude me from any other Betfreds in the area? We can do that and we can send a copy of the form across to them. But unless you've seen that person day in, day out, a passport photo doesn't really help you. You know, you know when you've seen someone that's marginally famous mm -hmm. or I always find it with a footballer that's at a club somewhere and they've not said his name yet and I go, where has he played before? And they say his name and I go, oh yeah, of course it's him. Mm. Uh, and you've got a, a book of into the hundreds of people who've self-excluded. Really? About that hundreds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Wow. Uh, but because also then the turnover of staff is that high, you've got uh, half of that book is people I've never seen before. And you have to be lucky enough to have somebody working that day who knows who this person is mm. to point out to you, this guy's self-excluded, by the way. Now, uh, when, when I have gone into casinos before uh, and you have to sign in when you go in, I would imagine, I don't know if I'm just guessing completely, that if you're blacklisted or you've uh, self-excluded yourself from there, at that point of signing in, they would say to you, sorry, you're self-excluded, you're not allowed in, mate. 
or at mm. least I'd hope that's how it works. Bookmakers, you can just stroll in. Mm. You don't have to. You don't have to log into anything. You don't mm. have to do it. And I'm I'm not someone who particularly likes my information being everywhere. So I don't like to sign up to everything. I don't like to give my stuff out everywhere. But for like that's got to be. There's got to be something in that because there's. I I would confidently say uh, through no intention or no design i have at some point i'd put i'd be very confident allowed someone who's self-excluded to gamble and uh, probably allowed someone who's underage to gamble i i'd be very confident and i think anyone that works in a bookmakers uh would be kidding themselves if they said that hadn't happened and it doesn't mean it's intentional it mm. means that there is not enough in place to protect the people from behind the counter and the people that are the other side of the counter uh from from gambling it's it's crazy and there's i say if somebody comes in and you think oh this person looks familiar and you've got to go through 100 sheets of photos to then say is and this the shop itself must be i'm an awful judge of distance but maybe 20 feet from the counter to the door mm-hmm. and the machines are right by the door <laughs> Yeah. For me to say, that guy sort of looks familiar, but I can't see him from here. Yeah. I'm now going to go to this book that's behind my counter to rifle through 100 photos in the hope that it's one of them. He's already gambled. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's mad, isn't it? It's absolutely mad. Um, yeah. Absolutely mad. Um, sorry, just a, f- a few things have sort of sparked my imagination a little bit. Um, just relating a little bit back to what you said earlier, which was... Um, I don't know, some, some classic things that would happen in my case with my friend, it, his, his cousin would be betting and stuff and it'd be like, the latest news, news on the street was they're paying out at the moment. Yeah, I'm, you know, the, 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 the fobties are paying out. And, um, but, then, but then also just relating a bit to um, the sign-up process as well. So for, for, in my case, I was self-excluded from casinos. Um, didn't want to self-exclude from bookies. Maybe that was a personal pride thing. That's the addiction at hold because I wanted to still gamble. But the, the casinos, I went into the Hippodrome in London when I was self-excluded and um, knew I was self-excluded. But in, in, this, is, in this instance, you can just walk in. There's, you don't have to have a membership or anything. And, um, and I got away with it the first time I got away with it. But the second time I went in the next day. I mean, the first day, by the way, my heart was like pumping like mad. Yeah. from the adrenaline of like, I'm lying here, also, but also gambling. But then I got yeah, found it, out. I got found isn't out. Isn't that sickening? Yeah. Like how bad it like that, and I can completely understand that. I knew you were going to say that, but there, there's part of that almost. Uh, it, it's almost like then a challenge. It, it's like being at school and uh, wagging school instead. And anyone that uses bunking off or anything, we say wagging here. You were oh, okay. wagging school if you were skipping out. Right. Uh, but yeah. uh, if you were wagging it for a day, it's that. Uh, it's that adrenaline that you get of, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. Mm. So to what point to that you've made a really, really positive step, a really positive step to identify that you've got a problem uh, and to say, I'm actually, with your help, I, you, the bookmaker, you, the casino, we're going to defeat this problem or we're going to try to at mm. least. Mm. To then the uh, mental side of it for you, that then you've managed to get yourself to that stage but then there's still the excitement of going back on that. It's like doing something that your mum told you you shouldn't be doing, but yeah. it's you that told you you shouldn't be doing it. 
Yeah. And that's, uh, it's, I completely understand it, but it's so sad, isn't it? Mm, mm, mm. It is mad. It is mad. Well, Mike, um, I mean, you've, you've given us so much information about the, the bookies and things like that. I just wondered if we could sort of move the conversation on a little bit and, um, yeah, just talk about how you got involved with the Big Step uh, project. I mean, would you, I don't know, you, you're a bit of a seasoned pro. By the way, for people that don't know the Big Step, the Big Step is an event that, um, well, the Big Step was set up by James, wasn't it? James Grimes, who wants to t- tackle football's relationship with gambling and, and such like. So, um, yeah, I mean, would you like to tell us how you got involved? Yeah, so, uh, well, obviously, after working in uh, bookies, I decided, well, I decided I was going to leave uh, because I wanted a job where I didn't have to work as many hours. And it got to a point, like, that I'd seen a couple of fights in our shop. Uh, I saw someone get stabbed outside. That was more because of the deprived area than anything else. Somebody got killed outside hours. Uh And there's a point where you sort of think, I don't really want to be in this anymore, as well as the fact that there's not really a progression to go through. It's one of those that the ceiling for progression is extremely high in uh, the fact that, and everyone will know this when you've done certain roles, in order to progress, you know that the person above you either needs to leave or they need to die. And if Mm. they're at decent age, then you're probably better off moving on. Yeah. Uh, but so like it was just coming up to the Euros in 2016, actually. So I, uh, I left then, went off to the Euros, supported Northern Ireland. My dad's Northern Irish. Fantastic time that was. Oh, what, uh, what Euros? Back. Yeah, what are Euros? Oh, it was insane. Obviously, it was our first Euros that we've ever been to. Uh, we got beaten one nil by Poland. Uh, we beat Ukraine. I was there. Nil. I was at that game. We. I think so we had this were, conversation, had, didn't we? Yeah, we yeah, said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that that was obscene. It, nothing will ever take that away yeah. from me. Uh, and that holiday as a whole was great. Uh, mm. But then returned uh, and started my job here. Uh, and then it was because it can't have been. It must have been twenty eighteen. The first event, or was it? No, it might have been twenty nineteen. It. You see, when you <laughs> I sound like someone's, uh, I sound like, like you say, season pro, like a veteran. It's, uh, or when you've done a few of these, like I have, uh, you know, the time just goes so quickly. It feels like it was yesterday. Uh, but we, uh, it was pitched to me by my brother-in-law, uh, Bobby, who's been mates with Grimesy for ages. And he just said, look, one of my mates is considering doing uh, this thing and it's uh, it's trying to raise awareness about gambling addiction. And I've got, at that point, one of my friends uh, was coming out of, uh, well, in fact, had been out of their gambling addiction for quite a while, but was still paying off members of their family because of how much money they borrowed to try and get them out from there. And that's a bit horrible. I'd spent out towards the end of when I was working in the bookies. I'd by osmosis picked up this idea that gambling is a good thing. So there were days where I would, uh, on my lunch break, go next door and I'd have 60, 70 quid on virtual greyhounds because I'm sat there thinking, I don't like the machines. I know that they just eat my money. Uh, but if I worked on a Saturday or a Sunday, I'd always have loads of bets on the football because you're surrounded by it all day. Mm. Uh, and then if it was normal days in week, what else have you got to do when you just sat there? 
So it, I've got virtual greyhounds on because I knew I'm that bad a gambler. There's no point in me trying to bet on anything else because I don't know horse. I don't know dogs. So I'd just be betting on it. Mine was uh, anything that's got the name of an animal in it. I'd go bet on it. Uh, but, uh, and I mean, that was then for someone getting paid minimum wage, not really doing much, sometimes spending 70, 80 quid in a shift three days in a row, mm. quite a large amount of money. And it's nothing compared to what some people have lost. But I think that's another danger of addiction is uh, that you always compare yourself to either somebody who's better than you or worse than you. I was going to say, it's relative, fall it? into it's that relative. Trap. Yeah, yeah, it's relative. To sort of say, uh, and that, that's where I think functioning addiction is very difficult. That uh, at times where I would say that I've probably been a functioning alcoholic in the past would be to look and say, well, it can't be that bad because I'm still going to work mm. or it can't be that bad because I'm still doing this thing. And you say, no, 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 you, you have got a problem. It don't, it don't slip into that that says, well, mine can't be that bad because that guy lost 10 grand and I've only lost 100 quid. Mm. Mm. Uh, don't, don't compare it. So. Yeah, uh, yeah it, because of all the stuff I'd seen and the stuff I'd seen outside of work as well, I thought, I don't see why not. I'll give it a try. So the, the first one was 125 miles over 90 hours. Uh, and that was intense. So that that's was crazy. Man- yeah. <laughs> 90 hours. Like, that's mad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I mean, that was also including, obviously, the fact that you're sleeping for long periods of that time as well. So your 90 hours wasn't 90 hours walking. Uh, it was just a period of 90 hours. And I mean, I went on that with uh, Bobby and my dad, as well as other people from the big set people that Grimes knew. It was quite a small event at uh, that time for it. It was only a handful of people walking each day. And that was Man City to Huddersfield the first day. We got to Huddersfield. I went into another dimension. I'm pretty sure I went into shock. Uh, don't remember anything of that evening. and really should have stopped walking that night, but continued on anyway. Uh, It's the only time anyone's ever seen me that they've handed me a beer. I had one sip and then just left it. I couldn't drink it. Uh, So that was, that's the most it's taken out of me before uh, the walking. Then it was Huddersfield to Leeds, Leeds to Burnley, Burnley to Blackburn, Blackburn to Preston, Preston to Bolton, Bolton to Man United. Wow. I might have missed one in the middle there somewhere. Uh, but yeah, walking Man City to Man United sounds like an easy task until someone says we're going the long way, mate. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, so, uh, on, no, uh, I was going uh, to say, sorry, sorry, you go, you go. No, no, you, you. All right, okay. I mean, I was just going to say, for, for any listeners that don't know, so just to clarify, this is, the big step is, is to walk to, to, to football stadiums that have shirt sponsors of gambling companies, right? So it's just to raise awareness yeah. to, to tackle that, that, um, that, that issue, as it were, yeah. And it's, uh, so it's, it's been uh, shirt sponsors and uh, either uh, team sponsors or partnerships with mm. uh, gambling companies. And I mean, what level have we got to now with football that you've got a gambling partner? Why? Mad, where, 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 where's the supermarket partner? Why, why haven't you got a local shop partner? Why haven't you got a car dealership partner? Oh, we're partnered with Audi. And if you're having a gambling uh, partner, why have you not got partners for everything else that you do? It's crazy. Mm. Why, why don't you have a pub chain partner as well as that? Why, why don't you have a tobacco partner as well as that? Why, why don't you, with everything else, sign up and have a partner for everything? But that, that's by the by, I get very angry about these things. 
<laughs> but then, and, and, and quite rightly too, by the way, quite rightly, I'm, I, I completely agree. Completely agree. It's, I just don't see, and that's that's the saturation point level that is at now. Where you think this isn't necessary anymore, mm. and this isn't about. You've probably heard from listening to this now that I've. I've had, and don't get me wrong, throughout all of this, I've had some really good experiences with gambling. I've had some nice times. I've had some good laughs with stuff. Uh, say when I go to a football now, uh, when I go to an away match, I don't tend to go to many home games because it's not worth the travel to then go and sit down at home for all the mm-hmm. time. But mm-hmm. I do love to go away somewhere. Uh, have far too much to drink. You're stood up, you're singing. It's all fantastic. And I'll go and I'll have uh, bets on the football and I'll have who do I want to score first and what do I want the score to be? And it's two or three pound. If it comes in your app, if it doesn't, you don't care. Mm. And that is where I can see gambling. Absolutely fine. You mm. put it on, you're happy to put it on. It doesn't come in. That's fine. It's not taking control of you. It's mm. nothing else. But at the point that we're at now, the, uh, and the same with the uh, regulations that are coming from the government, like the 90 to uh, the whistle to whistle gambling uh, advert ban. Yeah. It doesn't work when it's all around the stadium. It doesn't work when you put all the adverts on just before the first whistle. It, it had got to a point, I, I don't think they do it any, they still do it now, but it's not for gambling companies. But I remember missing a goal in a West Brom game that I was legally streaming of course while I was at university (laughs) Uh, I missed the first goal in that game because they forgot to put the gambling sponsorship on just before the first whistle went so anyone that's watched football on TV will know that you have your adverts then the teams are lining up they show you the lineups for everything and then just before the first whistle goes they say and the game's going to be live and then they cut to an ad break Mm. and it's uh, 10 15 seconds whoever's got on there and then it goes immediately back ref blows the whistle you're on mm. and they're obviously required to do that now for a long period of time they were gambling ads and they were bet 365 and it was your last second for ray winston to say game's gonna kick off quickly log in for god's sake don't oh, don't, don't watch this game without gambling what are you insane <laughs> uh, but there was one of those where clearly someone in the background sat watching the football going, so what do you reckon West Brom are going to do here? Oh, Chris, we've not played the advert. So they bang the advert on, it comes off, balls in bloody net. You're joking. <laughs> oh, my God. How? Oh, my God. That is mad. Uh, that is mad. But this is, so I say, I, I don't think, and that's why I've yeah. taken part in so many big steps. One, because it's such a challenge. And it's a challenge that I enjoy doing. And I like that look that people give you before you tell them and say, 124 miles in 90 hours. And everyone says, you're an idiot. There's no way. And the first one, uh, I got a lot closer to my dad on the first one. We've never not been close. Mm. Uh, But Mm. uh, I suppose one of those uh, man things that you don't always speak all the time to other men for stuff. And I suppose a lot of people have got relationships with their dad where it's very much, you, you sort of coexist. Uh, and you'll have times where you're spending loads of time with them and everything's great, but for no reason other than it's just what, it, it can just be what men do. I don't know whether that's ingrained or whether it's learned or whether it's societal pressures or whatever, but it, you're never massively close, at least in my experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we spent all of that walk together for it. Uh, both me and my dad were flagging seriously. So while everybody else got into Preston, which was the third day of four. Everyone else got into Preston about seven or eight o'clock at night. We got in at midnight uh, at Preston Stadium. 
We then, for the next day, set off two hours before everybody else for the final stretch because we knew that they were going to catch us and they were going to go ahead of us. Uh, we were in absolute agony. The feet were all over the place. Uh, and then we arrived at Man United. They got in for the local news at... It must have been at half five or just before six o'clock. We got into Old Trafford at either eight or nine. And bless them, they stayed there. So Grimesy and Bobby wow. stayed and waited for us. Uh, but then once you've done that once, you either go one of two ways. So my dad said, never again. He said, I'll do, I'll do one day here or there, but I ain't doing it again because I can't. Uh, whereas I, I'm now at the point with Bobby where until he says no, I'm going to keep saying yes. Because it's now only me, Grimesy and Bobby that have done all the walks. No. And you, I suppose if, uh, and it, as far as I'm aware, Bobby's not ever had any uh, real problems with gambling. But I suppose it's a nice thing to have that challenge rather than saying, I'm going to win money on this accumulator this weekend or I'm going to do this. The challenge mm. that we're getting now is, uh, I sort of hope on the next big step, Bobby dislocates his knee. He's got Lovely. previous knee issues, and it means that I will have beaten him, and then it's now just to take care of Grimes. I, I'm going to be the last man standing for the big step. <laughs> the first man standing as well. Like you and Bobby were leading right from the front. I've never, I've never known a pace like it. I've never known a pace like it. It's unreal. Unreal. It's uh, you sort of settle into it as it goes, and uh, I think I would have said to you that morning when I'd spoken to you. I say to a lot of other people. Uh, so I, before the last one, went to uh, Poundland and I bought 112, pounds worth of different foot care stuff and different, uh, different bandages, plasters, creams, everything else like that. Uh, I've known now to the point that blister plasters, useless. Anyone walking, don't use blister plasters. Normal plaster, electrical tape laughing it's the answer but after you've done a few of these you are then looking at people as they start you're saying walking boots poor choice uh oh i, mm. I don't need this or oh i've got a rucksack rucksack poor choice oh look you've not worn your trainers for very long you've only got one pair of socks on good luck with that one oh you're <laughs> gonna need this you're gonna need that so it's yeah. now sort of become a thing as well where i like to do it to try and help people go through and achieve that as well because I know the satisfaction that it gets from completing that walk. Mm. So just mm. people doing one day or anything, it's a massive achievement. Mm. It, it, it's huge. Uh, so it, it's nice to be there and you get a real sense of community with people and you know that everyone's there to help each other achieve something that they didn't think was possible and that everyone around them has said to them, you're crazy. <laughs> so what, what better can you do to involve yourself with something that uh, I suppose helps in terms of uh, getting over an addiction uh, or looking back to the days where you were addicted, say, everyone's told me I couldn't do this and look at where I've come to now. You all said in a loving way and you wanted me to do it, but you all said there is no chance you go into. And then look what I've done from today's one. And it, there is tears. There is horrible agony. There, I am not a man that likes feet. I have touched far too many feet doing that walk than I would like to. Uh, the, it, like people's feet are bleeding you've got almost entire like toes have come off almost wow. everything's horrible but for that sense of community to then just say to people you know what no that is the worst i've ever seen a foot but you're still going to walk on it for five miles and you're going to finish this and get there uh, and it happens and it's it's just lovely that that feeling that you get to see 
people that shouldn't under any circumstances be walking that distance over that period of time completing it in the end and it's uh it, i almost cried when we finished the last one uh we got yeah. into nottingham and seeing how many people were there finishing it uh and knowing the impact they had had because the first big step was more looking at getting donations together uh the second one was more looking at uh, getting uh, some donations, but also getting the word out for people. And this last one's been a really big push uh, for the petition to send to uh, the government for them. Uh, and seeing, uh, when we'd finished last time, seeing this go from uh, about five or six people walking daily, we were ecstatic to have got a thousand pounds in terms of donations from the first one to looking at thousands of people having signed a petition from, uh, with all due respect, James Grimes, our guy who is, uh, he could just be anyone, mm. uh, and Gambling With Lives who are just a couple of parents that have just said, sorry, why is nobody doing this? Why, why does the entire system seem to have just not focused on Jack at all? Mm. Uh, mm. The, all of these people, unless they stood there and said, sorry, I'm not taking this. There's got to be an alternative. I wouldn't be doing the big step. I'd know about it. I'd, I'd know about gambling. But would I be the person that goes out and says, right, I'm going to make a difference here? Probably not. Can I be part of it? Absolutely. Uh, and when you speak to people about it elsewhere, they say, yeah, actually, there is far too much sponsorship in football. Mm. There is. I, I am a bit worried about how much involvement gambling has. But until people know that that thing exists, they don't go and chase it. Mm, mm, mm. no definitely definitely well it, um, it's picking up that traction now yeah which is no, good it's good are you going to take part in the next one that's what only a couple of weeks away isn't it the virtual one <laughs> as it were. My, my friend was like how does a virtual walk work and i was like well no no no. we do the walk and then you just upload the miles like and just yeah uh, so yeah absolutely that's on the 6th and 7th of march goal is to do 1137 miles which would be the distance if you walked between all of the uh, clubs in the top levels uh, across england and scotland uh, that have got uh, gambling sponsors or partners uh, the idea of it is to uh, sign up if you look for uh, the big step you'll be able to find the form to sign up for very very easy They'll then send you a pack back as well as uh, a code to get yourself the app downloaded. And all you'll do then over the 6th and the 7th is any miles that you do. And this, what I've said to people is, yes, it's great if you can think of something where it's, uh, oh, I might. So for me to think, all right, I might walk from uh, Sheffield Wednesday to Sheffield United and then back. Uh, that's great. But if I just, if I'm walking down to the shops anyway, so this is where I pitch to anyone. If if you agree with the fact that uh, there is too much gambling sponsorship in football, there should be more support for people and that this should be regulated better, you don't have to go out and play yourself a walk. You don't have to grab loads of people together. I, I've noticed, especially now, so many people have got apps that say, I've done this many thousand steps in a day. Mm. You're doing those steps anyway. Download, <laughs> download the app for the big step over the sixth and seventh put those miles to something because you're walking miles anyway you may as well put them towards something that's making a difference and knowing that many people are just supporting it uh, that that is what's more important than seeing groups of people saying oh i'm going to walk 124 miles in 90 hours it doesn't need that it needs people to say i agree with this message 
And I think there's a hell of a lot of people out there that do agree with it, that don't know it exists, or they know that they agree with it, but until someone asks them about it, they never think about it and it sits in the back of their mind. Mm. Uh, and this is what the importance is, is getting it out there to people to say, have a think about this. You don't have to think about it all the time, but do just get a little bit of thought because it, it, it's uh, by the system that runs it, they allow it to go unnoticed for as long as possible. And if nobody talks about it, it's not an issue. But it's now got to the point where there are a lot of people saying, sorry, we're not going to stay silent on it anymore. This needs talking about. Yeah. And the more people talk about it, the more action is going to be done. In the words of uh, Bobby, we'll keep walking until they start talking. Hey, there we go. Bobby. <laughs> Bobby. <laughs> oh. it, it was the most hammed up interview I've ever heard. I think that was on Radio <laughs> Sheffield. We've done that uh, on the first big step. Oh, no, it was the second, I believe. to check that one uh, out. <laughs> and, no, it is awful he says that and you can see the look on his faces i've got one i've got one i've got my own catchphrase here not one, to, no, not, not one to mince his words either he's, he's, a, he's a softly spoken quiet chap as well isn't he and he you know <laughs> absolutely he's, all, he's also clearly a uh oh what do you even call this a cliche machine <laughs> <laughs> i just remember having so much of it like su- such a good time like Again, just for the listeners' benefit, basically, I arrived at the Big Step, the latest event recently we did in the Midlands, and I, I just walked one leg from Coventry to Leicester. I mean, Mike, you'd been going with the others before, way before that, and I think I just joined up for one day at the weekend, and then the next day you got to Nottingham Forest. But I just remember we all got together in the pub the night before, and um, I was just like, oh, what's your tactics? What, what are you thinking? And you, you were like, we just want to get it over and done with. Because I think Chelsea, um, Chelsea had a game on that Bobby wanted to watch. It was West Brom against Chelsea. Oh, there we go. That was it. Yeah, that was it. And, and um, we were 3-0 up in the first half and we drew 3-3. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you couldn't make it up. It was just... It was gold. But yeah, I think yeah. Uh, I, I do remember that. And I, I always, that's what I always love about people who are uh, coming on the first one or they're doing the first days for stuff. Because <laughs> the, the first walk we'd have done, if you'd have said to me, what's your tactics? I'd have said the same thing to you. And I'd have been like, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I'm pretty sure when you said, what's your tactics? I had at least one pint in my hand. <laughs> and I sat there going, I, I'm going to walk. I'm going to have a bit of a laugh with it. I'm probably going to stop at a pub wherever I can. <laughs> and then we're going to try and steam it to the end to then watch West Brom get demolished by Chelsea. Oh dear. We, we had a banging lunch. We had a banging lunch. Because I, I remember as well, like, you, 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 were, you guys were just like, yeah, we're just going to leave. We're, gonna, we're not like, not we're going to lead. It was just like, we're going to be probably at the front. We're going to get this thing done. And I was like, sounds great to me. Let's just get this thing over with. And honestly, the amount of times that I was having to slightly, slightly jog to keep up with you is unreal. Um, but yeah, we, we had a banging lunch. I remember there was a cracking pub uh, that we went to. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, uh, it's lovely when you do that because people do notice. And Grimes is very good in terms of getting media involvement with stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, pubs or places you stop in that say, oh, what's it? Because you're wearing bright yellow jumpers. You can't yeah. miss them. Yeah. Uh, and of course, everywhere that you get in, you look like you've just been through the wars. Uh, so there's some poor person sat behind a counter. It's Sunday lunch for half of the people, or it's like a Thursday at twelve o'clock. Who's going in a pub on a Thursday at twelve? Mm. Uh, whereas we rock in. Uh, 
And it's, oh, what's this for? And you mentioned it to them and they said, oh my God, that's amazing. And there was one, I can't remember if you were there that day, but there was one of the pubs we'd stopped in that the woman behind the bar, as she's showing us to uh, our place outside, everyone that's in the pub, do you know what these guys are doing? It's fantastic. Yeah. Tell them what you're doing. You tell them what you're doing. Uh, and yeah. she stops one couple uh, who had said, oh yeah, we saw them on the news this morning. And then they pop out and say, can we donate to you? Uh, and you can just see that it really does touch a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, and I think the, the only time that I've not seen it have the greatest, uh, the greatest support was when we went to, on the second walk, we finished up at QPR one of the nights. Uh, and we did some leafleting there just afterwards. Uh, we'd gone in before the game, got a picture in the dugouts, gone outside and done leafleting there. And I think for people that don't understand what the message is, mm-hmm. so to reiterate the message for gambling with lives with big step is, it, this isn't about stopping gambling altogether. It, I, as I say, I'm an advocate for uh, good gambling experiences. I have had some. I've had some really bad gambling experiences as well. Mm-hmm. But if it's something that's done, in the way that it should be, uh, it's absolutely fine. I got no issues with it. I'm happy for people to do it. But this is about stopping people who've got problem gambling and also about making sure that we're looking after children. And we're also just for uh, just for his own sanity. We're not just ramming gambling advertisements down people's throats all the time to the point that uh, football and gambling now. I think there will be a lot of people growing up that think they are interlinked and you can't have one without the other because it's so prevalent within it. So when you go round at football stadiums before a match, it was an evening match. So of course everyone's had a few drinks there probably that's going and you say to people, we're looking at challenging the relationship between football and gambling. You do get a couple of people. I love gambling. So that's fine. And that was, it's difficult in that very quick exchange to get across to someone. I'm not against gambling, I'm against problem gambling and them not supporting people who are problem gamblers as well and also not looking after them and advertising too much. You can't do that in 30 seconds. Uh, But (laughs) when you've got the time to sit and speak to someone and say, this is what it's about, I haven't seen anyone say that this is a bad idea or it's something that shouldn't be looked at. I was going to say that's 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 the crazy thing, isn't it? You're just like, why is this not happening? Like, what, what, or why is this being allowed? You know, or, yeah. uh, you know, it's just it's it's to that point. You're just like, yeah, this is this is crazy. This is yeah, this is nuts. You know, and we've sort of slept walked into it, and we've mm. we've allowed it to happen by not challenging it earlier, mm. but. The, as saying as Grimes, he says a lot. This is this is saturation point now where. It is, it's becoming synonymous with sports and that's starting to worry me that you've got it. I was watching uh, the West Brom game the other day with one of my mates. Uh, in fact, better example, uh, watching Wednesday against Stoke the other night with my dad. At the, Bet, at the Bet365 stadium yeah. with Bet365 on their shirts with two advertising hoardings, I swear, two advertising hoardings around the pitch, both pretty much for 90 minutes showing Bet365 the entire time. Uh, the commentator, uh, and this is what sickens me. If I was a football fan of Stoke uh, or other ones, I can't remember who it is in uh, the football league that's at the Wham Stadium. And you've got like, uh, well, Stoke have never had a ground name of their new ground. It was the Britannia to start with, which was a sponsorship name. Then it's been the Bet365. Mm. West Brom are at the Hawthorns. If they ever change that name 
to the something something the, the Burger King Stadium. Mm. Are you mad? Mm. Like what what's happened to football that they can then take that away from people? Mm. And there are some grounds because uh, what yours is well, ridiculous. Bump, now, isn't it? The bite. It's a joke. It used to be the fitness first. It's always going to be Dean Court to me. Vitality. Yes. Actually, actually, just on that note, talking about other adverts that, that annoy me, the Vitality advert. I'm like, why? I'm now just watching this bloody little dog around this like football pitch. I'm not. I can't even concentrate. It's mad. It's mad. It's mad. And uh, what I've noticed. Uh, well, what I've noticed. Thankfully, your podcasts don't seem to have adverts come up on YouTube, which is nice because I'm a big YouTube watcher. So. Uh, I will, I'll often, I'll sit playing championship manager or something else. I'll have YouTube mm. on it background and something's on there. Uh, I'd watched a few of your podcasts in a row the other day and then I was just switching on to other stuff. Now, I don't know how their algorithms work within YouTube and whether there is any uh, basis for when they can or can't show gambling adverts. Seven adverts in a row I got were from gambling companies. Are you joking? Oh Seven. Oh my God. One of them was the same advert three times. Wow. And uh, wow. people that watch stuff on YouTube will know that for most adverts, uh, after five seconds, you can skip it. But you can't stop them coming up unless you've got an ad blocker up. Mm. Uh, but it's now on YouTube. Yeah, that's, that's mad, isn't it? That's mad. I, I looked at uh, yesterday. So uh, yesterday, uh, the Walsall Supporters Alliance uh, announced that they were partnering with the Big Step for this event. Really? Yeah. I go on, yeah. yeah, I go on the Birmingham Express and Star website to read the uh, article. What's the advert banner at the bottom? It's Coral. Friggin' hell. So I, yeah. I'm reading an article about cutting down the relationship between gambling and football. There's a gambling sponsor at the bottom, right? It's, yeah, it, it, it's mad, isn't it? I mean, even like the YouTubers that will do the online slots and they'll, they'll you know, they'll, uh, video their their yeah there's their slots or whatever um and yeah kids can access that i mean you know uh i'm calling them out but i love watching the channel but the bournemouth supporters uh like fans youtube channel or whatnot and they've got kids that come on there they do like live chats live q a's somewhat very much you know very much like the arsenal channel or whatever <laughs> <laughs> i love it i love it um it's, it's, it's got so, to go it's so entertaining <laughs> um, um favorite pastime in my girlfriend of just hours now just watching live q a's um or reaction videos but though I, sw I swear i mean I'm, I'm only speculating but i swear they'll talk about football odds i'm like they've got kids on the actual like screen with them and we're talking about betting and and i don't know yeah it's just the normalization of it is mad um I th again i'm probably repeating myself in a similar po uh, another podcast i did but drum student uh bless her she's what 10 she supports west ham i was like why why have you not got a west ham logo on the thing she's like oh because betway sponsor us and it just it was alarming the fact that she was even talking about the sponsor like oh my you know uh, betway and, and things like that it was um yeah yeah it's mad it's mad and uh, like I've got, uh, oh, you touched on something there, and I was just going to go into it, and now for life for me, you've took it from. Oh, uh, in terms of, uh, in terms of sponsorship being normalised, uh, well, gambling being normalised, uh, I'd not, and it's. I think when you start looking for it, you notice how much it's there. 
Mm. And that's part of the problem that because it's, uh, and obviously subliminal advertising is illegal. You're not allowed to do it. But it's so on that vein that when you normalize it and it's always there, you start forgetting that it exists. Uh, So Mm. I'd not realized until it was mentioned by the big step that uh, when, uh, when I'm playing championship manager, the first thing I get before my season starts is, the title odds for such and such. And this is a game that's for children, it's for people of all ages, but the first thing you get at the start of every season is your title odds. There's your gambling for it. Uh, when, uh, when just in normal speech, everything is, oh, I bet you this much that we can do this. I bet this thing. And of course, that's, that's by the by. That would be really, really clutching at straws. Mm-hmm. But there is so much where, and as you say, uh, within football, Children are involved and you've got gambling sponsors everywhere all over the shirts. You've got, when you go to West Brom, which has really annoyed me, uh, there's an entire uh, corner dedicated to just coral. And it's everywhere there. And you've got one line where people, and right next to it, right next to it, which you'll love, is the uh, video game area. Oh, right. Okay. so yeah. that's where you've then got PS4s and Xboxes for, P- for kids to play FIFA. Bearing in mind that FIFA's got loot boxes and it's also got the gambling sponsors on the shirts within the game. Three plus, perfect idea for a game, that one. Mm. Uh, so what you can do is you can either have children sat there playing uh, FIFA, seeing their favourite team on there, and associating that massively with the bookmakers that sat right next to them, uh, as well as you get into that attitude where you will probably turn up, and I imagine this happens for a lot of people. Mum or dad queues up, I'm going to get some food. Do you want a bottle of Coke, kid? Yeah, of course you do. Or do you want a drink? Fantastic. You sit and wait for this queue. Mummy or daddy's going to go and put bets on. Mm. You sit over there, you'll be fine. You stay here. I'm going to go and do this. And then everyone's got their own little thing to distract them. You've got your gambling that's sat over there. Your kids have got your football that's got gambling in it. Uh, but are also then sat right next to where all that's happening. It's, it is included so much everywhere. And I'm an avid gamer myself, as you probably picked up. Loot boxes are horrendous. I was, I was going to say, because I really know nothing about loot boxes other than just really scratching the surface. Could, yeah, tell us more. How do they work? What's, what's going on? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this came. This has been a problem within the gaming industry itself for a while, that when you used to buy games and people that will have played from PlayStation 1 to PlayStation 2 stuff, you would get your game and your game was on a disc. And it, that was it. You, you had that disc. If there was extra stuff to unlock, you unlocked it by being good at the game or doing certain stuff, and that existed. But you couldn't get anything other than that disc. That was it. Now what's happening with games is... Uh, and this is, <laughs> you could do an entire new podcast on this one. Uh, so you've now got games that uh, they are always adding content onto. So you pay £40 for a game, but in reality, looking a year down the line, you've spent probably 150 quid on it by mm. getting new downloads that have come out. There's new content for stuff. There's everything else. Uh, there was actually a game that came out not too long ago where uh, they had coded in something to the disc so there was a playable part of the game that was put into a disc and that was locked behind a paywall. So you owned exactly the content that was there, but you then had to pay another 15, 20 pounds to unlock the content on that disc that you've purchased. It's insane. But uh, where they've gone now 
with a lot of games, and this isn't just FIFA, FIFA's a very good example of it, uh, but it's across loads of other places, is uh, loot boxes, which is basically you use uh, an internal currency uh, on the game. Now, some games, the way that they do it is that uh, you can eventually uh, gain enough of this currency to buy one of these loot boxes, which is complete random chance what you'll get. Mm. So you're not guaranteed anything. But the amount of grinding that you would have to do to do that is not viable. So instead, you can do it much quicker for five or ten pounds and you can get yourself a few loot boxes. So for FIFA, the most popular one is Ultimate Team, which is where uh, it's almost like uh, a card trading game. Uh, so like match attacks or anything like that. But each card you've got, you then have that player. So, uh, in order to be up at the top level, and this is where uh, YouTubers and streamers are really, really irresponsible, mm. is that the people that are at the top level that have got children watching them all the time are uh, putting events on where they'll say, uh, come and watch me, and they will advertise it as, I spent £25,000 on FIFA packs, or I've spent ten grand. There was a guy who's very popular... Uh, who did a challenge for 24 hours that he would open FIFA packs to see what he got out of them. Oh, my goodness. And in order to open one, you're talking about a minute, maybe. Uh, and one... Uh, these packs can range anywhere from being, uh, like, three or four of them being the equivalent of about four or five pounds. So some of them would be towards 15 or... Uh, well, at least a tenner just for one pack, uh, or it could be up to 10 or 20 pound for them. And it's all chance. You're not, you're not guaranteed here. Your odds are better for doing them. But the problem that's coming with uh, FIFA and with other games is you've got some games where the loot boxes are for cosmetic items only. They have absolutely no impact on the game. You could have all of them in the world. You know better than anyone else. FIFA is in a world of its own with some other ones, which is where there's a big controversy about pay-to-win games. Right. I.e., with FIFA, you need to, in order to beat people, have the best possible team. In order to get the best possible team, you can either be really, really lucky, or you can have really, really deep pockets. And mm -hmm. it's not about any skill whatsoever. You have to be good at the game. But if I played against you, and I've got... Uh, Ronaldo, and I'm not talking about Cristiano Ronaldo, I'm talking because they've got legends in the game. I've got man-like, right. yeah. number nine, Ronaldo. I've got Zidane. I've got Gianfranco Zola. I've got George Best, all of that. And you're turning up with your League Two Stevenage centre-back. I don't even know if Stevenage are in League Two. I might have done them a disservice there. They but, are, by the way, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that immediately says to you, so what are we teaching children here? And there, so many children now, their uh, their entertainment is watching people on YouTube, it's watching streamers, it's watching uh, bloggers, it's watching YouTubers who do this for a career. Mm. If they're being shown this and this is the way to have fun is to spend all this money on these games, money they don't have, it, it, oh, mm. it, yeah, I could go on about it for ages. It's crazy, man. It's really mm. sickening, actually. But mm. uh, that's the world we live in now. We've become a very money-centric uh, society and we've we've really allowed for me we've really allowed capitalism to take a proper stranglehold on stuff and it is about squeezing every last penny that we can out of everyone mm -hmm. and because we've become so reliant on uh, having things right now 
you never used to be able to order your shopping to arrive whenever you wanted it. There's no such thing of next day delivery. There's no such thing as this or the other. Whereas now, everything that you want is right there. You want to watch a movie? Don't go to cinemas. You can buy it on Sky Store right now. You've got it there. It's come out at the pictures. You can download it into your house today. Uh, TV? You don't have to sit down at six o'clock and watch your favorite show. It's online. You can get it straight away. And this is the way that society has gone is you want something, you can have it right now without thinking. And that is where the people who've got the money get you. Because if you had time to think about what money you're spending, you wouldn't do it. But because you ain't got the time and it's right there, it's quickly do it. That's why they have the betting adverts before. And that's why they always used to do the boosts at half time in the football. Because if you can tell someone just before, the time's running out quickly, you need to put a bet on. Remember, mm-hmm. don't, you've forgotten to put a bet on today, make sure that you do it. People put it on and then you go, oh, actually, that, that's why in play is such a massive market mm-hmm. for stuff. Because they'll push it out at one point and say, uh, oh, it's in play now. And because you're watching the football, you say, oh, well, if I don't put it on now and someone scores, then I've lost it. Or those odds are going to be far worse, so I better put it on now. And if that doesn't win, I better put the next one on instead. Mm-hmm it's they've they've been allowed far too much control and it's getting really dangerous mm, mm, mm. but yeah well yeah no are you okay for like another few minutes because i've just i've got one yeah, more question absolutely. if that's okay yes um so how would you go on then so the million dollar question how would you make gambling safer in the future i think for me at least from the experience i've seen bookmakers I think you should have to have some sort of card in order to access their services. And for me, I think you should have to sign in whenever you go into one. Mm-hmm. That means immediately, and I think that should be extended to all uh, gambling establishments, but I don't think you should be able to go in unless they know who you are. Uh, and that's not because they pitch all of these membership cards and everything uh with the idea of this will allow you to track your spending. You'll be able to see this thing, you'll be able to see that, and you'll be able to stay in in control. What it allows the bookmaker to do is also stay in control because they can track your spending. They know what you're doing, and they can send you the right promotions for you for what you want. If you're someone that gambles online and you've got a membership and you play the same game over and over and over again, they're not going to send you promotions for the horse racing. They're going to send you promotions for those slots because that's where your money is. Uh, So as much as I'm not a fan of taking people's information and always having stuff like that, that for me is a logical first step is that you should, in order to access anything where you have to gamble, you should have to be signed up. And before you gamble, you should have to show this is who I am. Mm-hmm. So that people that are self-excluded and people that are underage, immediately that begins to protect them. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the remainder, I don't think there should be a gambling sponsorship within football. I don't think there should be partnership within football. And I certainly think... Uh, that I ideally wouldn't want to see gambling being advertised anywhere. Uh, I think people know it exists uh, and you know where to get it uh, and it's fine, but I don't think you should be putting it in people's faces. I don't think it should be shoved at people. Like It's the same with uh, when tobacco sponsorship had gone. And you know that when uh, tobacco companies and alcohol companies used to sponsor loads of stuff, the response back from them was, well, if they don't sponsor them, no one else is going to. And you'll see football die or uh, snooker will cease to exist and it'll never... People are still sponsoring these. You've got to remember that Chelsea uh, have no gambling sponsors, no gambling partners. They're one of only eight teams, I believe, uh, in 
the top four divisions mm. of England that don't have anything to do with gambling are doing all right for themselves. Mm. Uh, so mm. for me, I would remove that partnership and that link between people. Beyond that, I think it, it's just about getting more notice that this is an issue. Because if people do have alcohol or drug problems, they know that there's places to go. Mm. At the moment, there's, uh, there's obviously the clinic in Manchester, mm. uh, the mm. NHS clinic that deals with gambling addiction, which is a fantastic first step. Mm. Uh, but would be just to identify this as the addiction it is. I mean, the suicide rate is insane for people with gambling addiction. Mm. And the main problem that I've seen to it, and the best way that I can explain to people is uh, if I am uh, an addict of another cause, and if you say to someone that somebody's got an addiction, the main stuff people think is it's either drugs or it's alcohol. Yeah. Uh, so if we go for one of them and say, right, uh, if I was uh, an alcohol addict or a drug addict and you gave me 10 grand, uh, I, at some point my body would shut down. It would stop me from doing the thing I'm doing. So if you gave me 10 grand and said in half an hour, I want you to drink 10 grand's worth of alcohol, I couldn't do it. Uh, my body would physically stop me by making me pass out. It would knock me out or I'd die. And I then can't do anything. Your body naturally stops you doing that. So why are we not talking about an addiction where if you gave me 10 grand in half an hour and said, I want you to gamble this, it would have no physical effect on me. Yeah. Uh, it would have a massive mental effect. Uh, mm. And it would, obviously, there'd be some physical effects. But what I'm saying is that your body's got no way of stopping you. And nobody else is stopping you. So it's an endless amount that you can lose from it. And then our bookmakers then checking and saying, sorry, how have you got this money again? Mm. How, how have you got one and a half grand to just spend on your lunch? It's so many stories of people gambling away their wages on their lunch break. He's mm. serious. Mm. And mm. Th this has just been sat there as if it's a non-issue. And oh, oh, it's okay. We can allow them to continue to sponsor football because gambling's fun. Yeah, it's fun for some people. Mm. It is but it's completely irresponsible what they're doing. And they just allow it. They know exactly what they're doing. Uh, and bookmakers to say this absolute disgusting facade of uh, when the fun stops, oh, yeah. stop. Oh, God, we, yeah. we don't yeah. want you to be problem gamblers. Yes, you do. Because they, they don't care. They, they'll put it out as a front to say, we want to make sure that you've got the money to gamble responsibly. They couldn't care less. If you gambled away all the money you had and your children's money and you killed yourself, they won't care. No. Because no. it's money to them. And you're just another face. You're another cog in a wheel for it. And you're just their cash cow that they're getting in. Mm. So, but they, they give this impression that this is a relationship between you and them. And they're looking after you and, hey, we can have a bit of banter back and forth. You know, you win sometimes off me. I win sometimes off you. And it's pitched to the punters, the customers, that they're your friend and they're wanting to look after you. But they're also wanting you to win if you can do. They're not. They're, they're as far away from it as it could possibly be. Mm. If I was a drug dealer and I was uh, dealing to my friends... Uh, and giving it them for free until the point that they were addicted. Does that make me a friend? It makes me a scumbag. Mm. Mm. It's, it's, yeah, it's a very good point. They, yeah. they, they've, there's clearly not a conscience at that level to say, sorry, we're doing something wrong here. Mm. Uh, it's, it's deflection tactics, and they'll wipe their hands clean the second they can. 
Mm. And that's why they hide behind this responsible gambling uh, beyond everything else. When the fun stops, stop. What's the biggest word on that? It's fun and it's in big, sodding Vegas lights. Look at the advert if you've not looked at it, anyone that's listening. What's the first word that you know is it's fun. Everything else, uh, the whole advert goes on for 20 seconds and there's a quick blip at the end. Oh, by the way, responsible gambling, just just make sure, yeah. Mm. Uh, and it's they don't care. They're doing it. And from my experience, they're doing it because they have to. But mm. again, they're doing the bare minimum that they can do in order to make it legal. I, I was going to say, like, f- f- surely it, we can blame the gambling operators as much as we like. I think, yeah, I don't think very highly of them at all. But surely, therefore, it's from the regulation. The government yeah. have to set the standard that, that won't allow or well, will regulate this. Surely. Well, that's that's why the Gambling Act review is going on now. And I think because it's been so long since that has been reviewed, that's where we've got to the point we are now. Because this is they've just been allowed to go with no reins on them. They've just sort of been allowed to go and make what they want of the world with nobody reviewing anything. Mm. And it's only at this point that somebody said they've probably got a bit out of control. Because you're looking when uh, the Gambling Act was last reviewed, uh, as far as I'm aware, I don't think there would have been fixed odds betting terminals. Bookies would have been a thing that old men used to go into on a Sunday morning. And uh, on football, you'd have been able to put about four or five markets on. Whereas now, I'm watching football with my mates who are saying, I just need so-and-so to get a throw-in. And I've got £175. Oh, if you're watching West Brom and they're going, what's it like for the uh, Anglia getting booked? I said, sorry, I'm watching whether he scores or not. Uh, what's the likelihood that you all have four corners in the first half? Do I care? Mm. I, I've never watched football. Who's, got a, who's become a fan of football to say, oh, I love Bournemouth. They sure do win a lot of free kicks and have some corners, don't they? How did they get on at the weekend? I don't know. They got four yellows and three corners in first half, though, and they scored in the last 60 minutes. It's, <laughs> but yeah. this is what it's become, is that you're now not watching football. Mm. You're constantly uh, playing to put bets on. Mm. Mm-hmm. And the uh, cash out and request a bet are two of the most evil things that I think have come through. Uh, request a bet is ridiculous because, uh, as I say, roulette's the easiest one to work it down to. Your greatest odds of winning in roulette is black or red. It's mm-hmm. 50-50, that's where it is. The reason roulette makes so much money is that they flood you with other options. Mm-hmm. So you're then distracted from how can I actually win here Two, how can I win the most amount for the least money? And the reason you can win the most amount for the least money is because it's highly unlikely that it's going to happen. Mm. So when people are getting requests about on that seem reasonable, and they put those on because I watch football, therefore I have a knowledge of football, mm. therefore I've got the upper hand in Betty, I can do this. I've then got somebody sat there saying to me, well, I've got... Uh, what did he have the other day? I've got Gundogan to score for Man City, someone to score for Arsenal in the same game. So two specific players to score in that game, one, uh, three specific people to be booked, so many corners, uh, and something else. And they're saying, and it, and it all sounds reasonable, don't get me wrong, it does mm. sound reasonable, mm. but there's a reason that it's 300 to 1. Ain't going to happen, mate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the first year I was at uni, I was one team off winning 13 grand from a quid. Jeez. And I think... Uh, 
the worst thing about that was I was going to put the other team on. It was Notts County Portsmouth. I always remember it. Uh, and I knew I was going to put Notts County on. And then at the last second, I put Portsmouth instead because they used to have Ben Gianni. And Ben Gianni was the greatest man of all time. <laughs> but Portsmouth were in the bin at that point. So you yeah. knew they were going to lose. And for some reason, I'd still pick them. But I'm, I'm thankful that I didn't win that because I know myself... Uh, I struggle to control myself a lot of the time with some stuff. So that's a responsibility I have to take mm. to make sure that if I am involving myself in something too much, I need to try and pull myself away from it. Mm. But I think if I'd have won that, I'd have been a different person now. Mm. Mm. It'd have been awful. Mm. I just know it because mm. I wouldn't have stopped with them. And I'd have just, instead of, uh, I think everyone has this idea when they first start gambling that uh, it's like when people say, uh, you see people that have won the lottery that then continue to play the lottery afterwards. And you say, what are you doing? You've won it. Stop. Uh, but we've all got this lovely idea that if we won a massive amount of money through gambling, that would be it. And you'd never gamble again. One big win. One big win. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. then I'm free of this. Whereas instead what it is, is you go in the next day and you're gambling 10 times as much as you did before because you can afford to do that. And if you could win that much, why don't you win 10 times more by putting on 10 times as much? Mm, mm, but that's how they get you. So yeah. is that care there for people? No, because if the care was there, you'd have someone stood outside the shop saying, you're spending 300 pound, go home. We're mm. not allowing you to come in. Regardless of how much money you have or don't have, this is ridiculous. Mm. So enough for today, go home. Mm. Uh, mm. you should mm. be able to grab people by the collar and just say to them go because I ain't having it but you're not allowed to and mm. you're putting yourself at risk whenever you make that challenge if you're working in one of those shops so it's up for the people that have got the power to put that in place but they're not interested because that's where their money comes from so mm. the, as much as I don't trust the government that we've got in at the moment they they have to make the right decisions when they're doing this gambling act review because it ain't going to happen again Mm. for a while so mm. th this needs to be sharp and if if they have not turned over every stone if they've not looked at every possibility uh we could be in trouble mm. Mm. No, i i agree i agree i think that's um yeah it's quite a poignant place to stop actually and quite a p powerful place to 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 yeah to end um Blumenek, it's been it's been, a, it's been a journey. It's been a... Three years. I told you we'd be here until three o'clock and we've not been no. far off it, you know. <laughs> as long as <laughs> I'm not getting you in trouble. <laughs> as long as I'm not getting you in trouble. Yeah, maybe we could just do two parts. I don't know. Who knows? We've, we've touched on a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of bases there. But um, yeah, I mean, can people find you if they want to reach out to you? Or Are you online? or is that uh, you I mean, I'm on Facebook. Apart from that, I'm not on much else. Like, if anyone does ever want to... Because, as you've probably seen from this, I'm not someone that's uh, running an organization i've not got anything that's in particular support for anything but uh, if if there's ever any point people want to talk or anything like that i'm always on facebook happy days As, aside from that and i'm always hopefully as you've seen today uh, there's i said to you before and if you can uh, one of the quotes that I like is if you can fathom a question then you can also fathom any possible answer that comes back to it Mm. Uh, and I like to try and keep to that mindset that if you've uh, if you've got the balls or lady balls to ask me a question, uh, mm. then you can certainly uh, hear whatever response comes back. And I think that's powerful for people to know 
we should talk more. We should ask more questions and we should open up more because that's the only way that we grow ourselves as people. So everyone who asks anything, I'm always here and I'll always give you an answer. Happy days, Mike. Well, um, thank you so much for coming on the, um, the Invisible Addiction podcast and sharing your story. It has been awesome. It's been fantastic, man. And uh, hopefully I will see you soon. Excellent. I'll, um, I'll see you soon. Take care. <laughs> no worries, man. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed hearing Mike's story. What part of the podcast could you relate to the most? Have you been inside a bookies and witnessed somebody getting angry at the machines? Maybe that was you. It was certainly me. What are your thoughts on football's relationship with gambling? How do you think we could make gambling safer? Is that possible? Let me know. Let's start a conversation. Feel free to drop us a comment on YouTube, message on social media, or get in touch with me confidentially via email, info at theinvisibleaddiction.com. In the next episode, I'll be speaking to another man from Sheffield, somebody who, like myself, had a compulsion to gamble in the bookies on fixed odds betting terminals. Finally, I'd like to say a massive thank you to the sponsors of this episode, Talkband Stop, which is a partnership between Gamcare, Gamban and Gamstop that combines practical tools with support to help you stop gambling and kickstart your recovery journey. It all starts with a chat. In the meantime, thanks once again, guys. Enjoy the rest of your day. Take care and I'll speak to you soon.